on today's show, we're joined by Irene. Irene is a consultant who's previously worked at the Ministry of Economy of Guatemala. Uh, and on today's episode, we catch up regarding COVID in Guatemala, um, mindfulness, and some real gems of book recommendations. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and stay tuned to the end. Enjoy the show. Good morning, evening or afternoon. You can tell by the excitement on my voice how passionate I am about today's guest. We are lucky enough to be joined again by the wonderful Irene. So on today's podcast, we're going to cover lots of lovely topics, but we're going to be kicking off with Irene. Tell us, how is Guatemala at the moment? Hi, Ross. Good to see you again. I'm so happy to be on the on the podcast again. Um, well, Guatemala is better according to the numbers, but mm-hmm. the numbers are always relative because. Yep. Um, so in COVID nineteen matter, uh, Guatemala is now open. Of course, mm-hmm. I guess they had to open in a in a certain point because the economy couldn't handle it. Yep. Uh, there's people living day by day with with what they sell the day mm-hmm. before. So it's not like they can go for a lockdown over more than three months, which was the time they were on a lockdown. Um, so they are open now, but of course, like everywhere else, corona, the coronavirus is still there. Um, hospitals are pretty much full and there's not a lot of testing going on. Mm-hmm. So what I was saying about the numbers, of course, it always depends on how much test you, you make over the day, over the month, etc. So uh-huh. if you're not testing more people, you you don't know exactly how many people uh, have have it. And I was reading a lot about uh, how in Guatemala there are many other diseases and people don't actually mm-hmm. exercise a lot and they don't um, have good eating behavior, etc. So the, mortar- the mortality rate might be a little higher, but it's yep. not necessarily because coronavirus, like more people have it, but because more people can't handle it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So a there's a sense. lot of factors playing around the globe, I guess, but as well as just in Guatemala. But yeah, I, I guess people can use the information how they want to use the information. Hundred uh, percent, like always, <laughs> like yeah, like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but um, I would say it's better. Uh, at least people is going back to work. Yeah. Um, but of course, the economy. I, I think it's gonna take a long time for people to find jobs to start. I don't know, selling again, like to the economy to get back to normal. And I guess the it's it it hit the really really hard. So mm-hmm. that's the scene I'm seeing there right now. I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see to see how they recover because they do not that they're a totally isolated economy, but it'll be interesting to see how how they they sort of recover from their their day to day business and and what they're kind of they're doing because as, as we said in the first podcast, it is a case of people like going and like farming fruit picking it and then selling yeah. it um yeah. so it'll be interesting how are they doing their their testing over there like is it just in hospitals they're testing or i know i've been tested here quite a few times so i go to the little drive through and then i go i go in and it's actually and then obviously I, you get the response back in 24 hours which oh, i think is pretty good what how are they doing it over there well over there, you have to pay for your test. If I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. like you, you can you can have also like free tests, but it's, yeah. it's way more complicated. Mm-hmm. So from what I heard from my surroundings in Guatemala, they have to pay for the test, and depending what test they pay for is the um, how much it costs. 
and how long it takes to uh, to know like how does how long does it take to for you to know if you have it or don't yeah, uh, yeah so yeah. basically if you have the symptoms i would say just quarantine and like probably you'll have it right so but another thing that is playing a big role of what you were saying before is uh, the trust for the government. The government mm -hmm. has been uh, asking for a lot of loans to the Congress. Yeah. And so they are having more money, so to say, than last year. However, they are not executing the money. They are not using it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of um, protests against, like, where is the money? What are you doing with the money? We don't see you building hospitals, as you, as you said you were going to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't see you uh, carrying out more tests as it was said before and so they like actually it's a big issue if you don't trust in your government because i i guess i can see the difference between between guatemala and here and uh yeah a lot of people that i know it's not like they are they trust the government 100 mm -hmm. but at least they do what what the government is saying and they trust the numbers at least a bit or they know like they go and see like what is the government saying what is Boris Johnson say, saying uh -huh. back home I guess it's because there's no trust anymore it's like yeah, it's nonsense I, I won't just hear it it's wasting my time but I think so that's the that amazing thing about role. here I think that's the amazing thing. I've been surprised how well people have, like here, people have really, I mean, even young people, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the news about raves and shutdowns and all of these things but as a vast majority I've been the 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 fact that people aren't actually going out there and really breaking the rules throughout this has really quite amazed me. But I think there's good and bad things about that. So when you have a, an economy or a country or a civilization that doesn't question government or actually does follow the letter of the law all the time, it often doesn't go in, in a particularly good direction in the long run. Um, so it's interesting to see that people in Guatemala are actually sort of going out there to the streets and sort of campaigning against what's happening. Because I, I think across the world, there's been loads of loads of bad examples of the execution of, of their COVID strategies and particularly around money. I mean, you look at some of the, the PPE procurement stuff uh, from a government level and some of the limited companies that it was that the government paid to produce uh, the PPE. I mean, you've got ones which had on their balance sheet sort of like 18 grand turnover. That's like a smaller business than me. That's hilarious. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and they're getting millions and millions of pounds of contracts of PPE. And for me, the risk that we run by not being more like Guatemala is the fact that until the people actually are being politically active and stand up to this, these, these changes, they'll just, people will carry on taking more advantage of, of the system, which I think is probably what we've seen over here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, I guess it's a trade-off and it's part of government's fault and part of the citizens' fault. Mm -hmm. Or like not maybe not fooled, but yeah, it's amazing what we're doing. But be more vigilant. But we also have to do our part as citizens, and mm -hmm. I don't know, stay home with you if we can, uh, yeah. help people that can't, uh, etc. And that also doesn't happen necessarily. So I guess it's a I don't know, it's a balance between the government trying to like they should of course uh, portray uh, more trust worthiness between the citizens and them but mm -hmm. also the citizens like trying to help the government yep. achieving the, the objectives they have so it's a trade-off that i don't know if it can be quantified if it can be it's pretty complicated i guess and mm -hmm. corruption wise it has been complicated since the uh, 2015 in guatemala mm -hmm. so 
uh, it's been really complicated to trust the government to to trust what they are saying to trust that they are using uh, the money wisely uh, but at the same time if you don't trust the government then why would you stay home what would you take care so yeah it's i guess it's everyone has to play a role here and uh, I think so. I think I think it's. A, I've never seen the world in it. Obviously, we haven't been relatively young, but in such on such a knife edge and such a moment of instability, where we realise that everything that we have, civilization itself, is. We sometimes look at these less developed countries and think, "Oh, we're nothing like that." Or if you, in the UK, you get very used to kind of the safety and security. But, I mean, we've seen it with the states. We've seen it with. I mean, like New York at the moment is is a very very interesting place. Um, somewhere that I probably wouldn't feel particularly safe being at the moment and i and i'm i'm comfortable in places that aren't inverted commas traditionally safe like you put me in the middle of bogota no problem like it's, it's nice but oof, <laughs> nyc at the moment I, d- I don't know how i'd feel about that but um but sort of th- this gives a nice little segue into another another sort of a key theme of what we wanted to talk around today because both of us have a a huge interest in mindfulness and spirituality and i think it's something that has definitely helped me along with copious amounts of exercise um, can get through the sort of the challenging period. So I was going to ask you a little bit, what, what, how have you been exploring the world of mindfulness and spirituality over the last sort of six months? And, and has it helped you uh, in this time of uh, instability? Okay, I love this subject. So whenever you feel like it, just stop me. And <laughs> <laughs> um, mindfulness is a big, uh, it's really a thing that we should practice every day, every moment. But in the world that we live nowadays and that we're really rushing and seeing what's next and having a lot of pressure, not some people necessarily from ourselves, uh, we are not living in the moment anymore. And I think exactly Mm -hmm. COVID-19 came to show us that. Mm -hmm. Like you're always thinking of what you're going to do tomorrow, when I finish my master, where I'm going to work, where I'm going to travel next time. Uh, But what about tomorrow going to university and study? Or what about tomorrow meeting friends and going to a party? Like we miss those little things that I think those little things are the things that build our lives and our memories. Uh, so mindfulness, of course, there's plenty of ways to to practice mindfulness. Um, you can, for example, just practice it by eating and feeling the flavors and not doing anything else. Like uh, letting your brain focus on one activity. Mm-hmm. But you can also practice it by doing yoga or meditating. Um, I actually, when COVID-19 started, I did a 21-day challenge meditation mm-hmm. uh, thingy with uh, Deepak Chopra. I don't know if you know him. Yep. And it was about abundance. And it's pretty awesome how you really, like, like he uses mantras to meditate. Yep. So using a mantra and the breathing techniques, you are living in the present. You are just you with yourself and the breathing. Um and you're not thinking about what what is next, what was before, because normally what was before is like gets, can get you to depression. What is next gets you to anxiety. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are in the present, you're like, okay, right now I'm here, and my thoughts and my feelings are things you can see them as things that are not you necessarily. Mm-hmm. So if you start seeing like the emotion of being really anxious because uh, I'm gonna find a job or not. And you see it as not part of you, but as something that will happen or not will or, or won't happen, but it won't happen right now. And then you can be more in peace. And I think being in peace is something so valuable right now. Well, always, but 
So this past six months, I've been doing those kind of uh, meditation challenges. I've mm-hmm. been practicing a lot of yoga, which I think it's pretty, like, I would recommend that to everyone. It's amazing, an amazing exercise, but also an amazing, an amazing exercise for your mind and your, like, breathing techniques and etc. And I think mindfulness, um, it's also about surrendering, surrendering to uh, what's going to happen and what happens. Again, the same idea, but, for example, um, feelings like today I feel sad. And normally people say, don't know, don't feel sad. You have so many blessings. You have so many. And, like, since we were children, you would fall and your parents would go and say, no, don't cry. Why wouldn't you cry? You fall. That, like, that hurts. <laughs> so... Uh, not allowing your feelings to be there make your feelings want to be there more. It's like when yep. you try to sleep and you have insomnia, and uh, you're like, and you close your eyes even cl- like harder because you want to sleep. Like, no, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. You're just fighting against it instead of saying, okay, I can't sleep. I'll just read something. And I, I like hundred percent of verified, <laughs> you'll sleep uh, faster because you're not fighting against what you're feeling, what you're going through. And so it's also about surrendering to what's happening within you and acknowledging it. And when you acknowledge it, I think you, it's way easier to move forward. I think so. I, 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 you've picked, you've, you've covered it beautifully, actually. I think the mindful eating is something that is not often covered, but actually is, there's so much value in it, not just from a spiritual perspective, but actually from a, a genuine health and well-being perspective. Like people, because especially in the West, we eat quite fast or people are on their phones or they're doing X, Y, and Z things, but actually they don't take a moment to really enjoy the food. And uh, I, I've started doing this as I've tried to cut down the amount of, sort of meals I have. And, and you, you feel so much fuller by eating slowly and actually enjoying it. I think there's, there's a lot of value yeah. in that. I mean, um, I, I find another interesting theme around we need to do actively more things like this because we find ourselves in a state of significantly less boredom, whether it be 15, 20 years ago when you wouldn't have a phone people would you you would be bored you'd be in a queue you would be waiting for something you'd be doing these other various things which would give you a time to think or and and also through the absence of of religion i think prayer is a really when you dissect it it's a form of meditation it's a way of articulating thoughts and feelings you've had or experiences conveying them to someone else um and and sort of it's almost a release um, and it's quiet thinking time and and i do think since we uh, on a codified level, we've lost that for a lot of the Western world. There is something missing and it's really fascinating. And I think yoga, I mean, I, I've not done that much yoga in the sense of on a spiritual perspective, but the poses have absolutely saved my lower back on so many occasions. Um, so you talk about a gentleman called Deepak Chopra. Do you want to tell a little bit more about him? Why is he, why is he interesting or is there anything we could, uh, how did you find out about him or is there any resources that you'd recommend of his? Yeah, okay. I found him in uh, YouTube, I guess, mm-hmm. looking for meditation and mantras and music and etc. He has uh, an app. I'll tell you right now the, the name. Uh, Opera and Deepak Chopra. So you can, like, if you download the app, they have different meditation challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are paid, some of them are not. I guess he's like the guru of meditation mm-hmm. for me. He He speaks beautifully about life, about uh, different aspects that every every person I guess has to cover, and um, 
So I would really, really recommend him. You, If you Google it, you'll probably find something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the app is pretty good. And they tell you when they have like new meditations, etc. So that's pretty good. But uh, going back to what you were saying about boredom, uh, I think it's also important to be bored mm-hmm. sometimes. But we, I don't know, like we were educated not to be bored. Like if you're bored, you're right away take take your phone or watch a movie or I think the boredom times when they are not, of course, like really long, make your mind think about a lot of things that are there, like ideas, how to, how to, I don't know if you have a project in mind, how that project could be um, delivered. Uh, So I think it's really important to be bored sometimes, but like saying like, okay, I'm bored and just letting your mind be there and experience it. Um, so I think all of those things can make you a really different spiritual and energetic uh, being. Even with the eating, it's not just about eating slowly, but it's about not seeing your phone when you eat. It's about eating in a place where you don't work, like uh, having like having uh, places that your brain can, for example, when I work, I work in my desk. So when my brain yep. sees my desk, it's like working time. But when I go to a table uh, in the kitchen, I eat and the sofa is for watching Netflix. And so it's yep. different, but your brain, like you help your brain use uh, the time and space better. Uh, it's so I think that's most also really important. Yeah. I think it's a game changer. For me, the space one's been massive. I, I As you'll know, and I, I always say on the podcast, because, I, because I'm not the brightest of sparks, I've always had to use kind of like, different tactics to kind of get stuff done and the space one is massive and also yeah. from a relaxation perspective if you try and relax the place that you do work or you don't detach yourself from it, there is something that is innately different to how you feel about being in that space um but yeah and i'll have to jump in with another interesting thing on spirituality and something that i've incredibly missed uh, throughout covid and i've not mentioned it on any of the podcast which is actually a shock but um I've not doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and hugging my friends and rolling around and and like of all the sports that is super mindful and in the moment. I mean that is so in the moment. You're literally trying to stop someone choking you out in a really nice way. Um but it, it's just I can't it's really interesting cuz I th- I think about all the things that make me who I am. Um and being close with people I have I'm not I've really struggled with it or whatever but actually it, the only bit that I've really missed above everything obviously i miss seeing people and all of that but actually the kind of the the, the hugging of brazilian jiu-jitsu and the kind of the closeness <laughs> with, with random people uh, is why i think it's such a powerful sport because it does it breaks down all the barriers and it really does bring people together and i think i'm i'm super excited for when it eventually does uh does slowly start coming back yeah definitely i see that with dancing because i'm definitely yeah. a dancer i love to dance but i guess it's with a lot of exercises that you also are in controlling of your body mm-hmm. and you are aware of your body as well and your parts of your body what your body can do you become like it's impressive mm-hmm. what you can do just with practicing and and that idea of having fun either with dancing or jiu-jitsu or etc and being with surrounded by people uh, i guess it's also a lot of like good energy and and that helps of course i miss that too a lot so I, I completely understand you. <laughs> For all of our millions of listeners, people might not be aware, but they're actually speaking to the greatest uh, Warwick Business School dance team of all time. Uh, people might not know this, but it's actually fact, factually accurate. 
um we have a fan page uh we really (laughs) (laughs) we um, we specialize in uh in uh latin particularly reggaeton and bachata i mean you can do good salsa but i can't um but uh but yeah no it's definitely something I've, i've missed a lot so we were we were being really bold today. We were saying that we we're going to try and do a shorter episode because we've had some really long ones that have been wonderful. But on the last topic that I'm really keen to cover, I know you've been doing a monumental amount of reading at the moment. So um, three books that have have enlightened you throughout the last couple of months. Well, that's a difficult one. Uh, I would say the first book I would recommend to everybody whenever they can read is uh, The Man's Search for Meaning of Victor mm-hmm. Franco. It's about him actually being in a concentration camp. Do you say yep. that? Like the, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I don't want to say more because it's, uh, I guess everyone reads it with, with your own issues and problems and your life. And, but it's, there's a lot to learn from that book. Actually, like at the end of the day, it's about how, whatever the circumstance you're in, there's a little bit of liberty or choice in your attitude towards it. Yeah. And when you read it in a extreme case, like a, a concentration camp, you realize that we have always uh, uh, the liberty to choose how we are going to feel towards what we're going through. Whatever it is, of course, it's difficult. And, uh, but I think that books can give you, that book can give you a lot of really deep lessons for life. I couldn't so agree I would more. Definitely recommend it. Yeah. Read it myself. Adore it. Number two. Number two, it would be the Four Agreements. Um, I haven't read this, but I've heard about it. Oh, it's it's. I I I think I finished it like two weeks ago, <laughs> and I was shocked. I really liked it. It it is about like it starts talking about the Toltec vision mm-hmm. of the world and uh, how we have a lot of um, you know what like when our mind. It's really with a lot of beliefs, a belief system that was during your child, when, when you were a child and a domestication process where you learn what is correct, what is not correct. And then you have a lot of things that are not like probably your mind and your heart are not aligned. Yep. And then it, it finishes with these four agreements in order for you to be more free and yep. happy. And the four agreements are uh, be impeccable with your work which was mm-hmm. the strongest I read, but that, that I'm going to leave, leave to the readers. And the other one is always do your best. Yeah. Then uh, never assume mm-hmm. in a world where we assume a lot. <laughs> uh, and the last one, ooh, I forgot. Wait, give me a second. Um, so impeccable with your word. Um and don't take anything personally, which is also really strong. So like when you read the four agreements, you see how you can use them in your everyday life, but yep. also how deep it is. It's not just about don't take any, anything personally, but it's way deeper than that. So I would definitely recommend it. It finishes with a prayer, which mm-hmm. can be either to the God you believe in, to the universe, to whatever you... But it's beautiful, really. And I think that if you read it, that book over the day, over the years, and in different circumstances, I think it has different meanings. It's Most just definitely. like the Little Prince or like those kind of books that you yep. read again, but it has it's completely different, the experience. 
I'm going to give that one a read. That one, you have my word. By the end of the month, we will have an update on that book. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> Perfect. And number three? Number three, um, I have plenty, so uh, right now I'm like, oh, what should I say? I'll give you 3.33, so you can far <laughs> a few hours. I read um, The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhine. I don't the know if you know yes. her. The, she's the writer of Scandal and Grey's Anatomy and How to Get Away with Murder. Really? I had no idea, I had no idea. And she writes about her, like, one year that she decided to say yes to a lot of things in her life. Yeah. And that changed the energy in her whole life, the energy towards the people she worked with, towards her family, and how a lot of uh, doors opened for her because she was in a moment where she was embracing whatever came from the universe to her. And she's an Afro-American girl. Yeah. And that... I mean, it's amazing everything that she's done. And in, actually in her series, uh, like Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and et cetera, you can see how she portrays the image of a really brave woman that is the one that saves the world. or that yep. saves the, um, And that's kind of what she portrays in the book, but in her own experience. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's really worth it to read. It's more like a novel, not that strong as Men in Search of Meaning or The Four Agreements. But I really enjoyed it and it's really, really good. Perfect. Beautiful. I will most definitely give that one a try. Um, brilliant. Well, we've, we've covered everything. We, we, we're aiming for 25 minutes it, and we've done it absolutely perfect. Not in, Latin, not in Latino style in any way, <laughs> shape or form. But um, we're obviously going to get you back on the podcast in the next couple of months anyway, just to catch up with all the wonderful things you've been up to. What people don't know as well is that this is actually the number one ranked uh, Ranked podcast in Guatemala. Um, <laughs> don't fact it check is, that. Um, but it, it in it. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to catching up with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'll catch you later. Bye. Thank you, Ralph. Cheers. Bye. Really good to see you again. Uh-